0: Welcome to the Elmer EMC podcast. We want to support you on your journey with God. So, here is this week's teaching. If you have your Bibles with you, if you have them ready at home, I invite you to take your Bible or your New Testament and open it to St. Paul's letter to the Romans to first-century believers in Rome, chapter 8. And I'll be reading from verse 18 to verse 30, the middle section of that chapter. If you're following in uh, any uh, edition of the New International Version, the NIV, then it has a subtitle, and uh, mine has a subtitle, Present Suffering and Future Glory. So we'll begin reading at Romans 8, verse 18. and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to this time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts and lives this morning. Gloria and I moved down to uh, southern Ontario for our retirement just a matter of uh, just over uh, three months ago now. And uh, from Manitoulin to southern Ontario is now a much shorter road than what it used to be. It used to be a pretty long road. But I always find roads to be interesting. And especially the names of roads can really catch my attention. For example, along the Highway 17 corridor between Sudbury and Sault Ste. Marie, there's a road called Seldom Seen Road. It actually isn't in the middle of nowhere, it's right along the Trans-Canada Highway. There's another road name for us, but there it is, seldom seen. Uh, I grew up in the Fort Erie area, just a mile from the uh, Queen Elizabeth Way, QEW, but we didn't call it the QEW when I was a youngster, we called it the Queenie. That was the name we used in our local area. I don't know if local folks in Fort Erie still go by that, use that name. Maybe you like something a little bit more exotic. When I think of roads, I often think of the old jazz tune, you know, Get Your Kicks on Route 66. That's been around for quite a while. But then some roads are of a much more spiritual nature. The road that our Lord walked when he went to the cross, we call it the Via Dolorosa, which simply means the road of pain or the road of suffering. Uh, in northwestern Spain, for example, is, is a, we could describe it as a spiritual road. It's been used as a pilgrimage route for centuries. It's called El Camino de Santiago, the road of St. James. And uh, many Christians will walk on pilgrimage along that road. And it's usually a road of deep introspection. Well, this morning we're going to look at another kind of spiritual road, and I'm going to call it the road to glory. And so we're going to look at the road of glory, what it is, what it's made of, what what is along the way for us that we can anticipate on this this road, to glory, because all of us as Christians are are on this road, whether we realize it or not, because we're we are we're sojourners, we're followers of the way. Jesus is the way, he's the road, and where Jesus leads us is where we go. And we often may not think of it, but the road he leads us on really is the road to glory. So what is this road to glory like? Well, as we look at what Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 8 here one of the first things that really has to stand out for us is that the road to glory is filled with potholes. I I hate to disappoint you that way. I really hate to catch you off guard. But that's part of the nature of the road to glory. We don't like potholes. Having recently moved from southern, or northern Ontario, uh, I guess I got to get used to what the roads really are going to be like here in the Southland, but, but Sudbury is particularly notorious for its potholes, uh, just like uh, uh, Buzz Lightyear says to Woody here uh, in the picture I have on screen for you, at least for those who are watching at home, that you know, he says, there's potholes, potholes everywhere. And some of them are incredibly big. I mean, uh, in, in northern Ontario, we say that there are two seasons. There's pothole season and there's construction season. And some of those potholes are incredibly huge. Apparently, the city of Sudbury actually has written into their budget compensation to motorists for repairs on their cars because of their notorious potholes. Well, Paul tells us about some of the potholes that are on the road to glory. Potholes that might be very unexpected to us. In verse 18, he talks about our present sufferings. He says they're they're not really worth comparing to the glory that awaits us, but he says that there are present sufferings. Those are the potholes that we face. He says creation is subject to frustration in verse 20. That that the created order around here is not fully what it was intended to be any longer because of the fall and the entrance of sin into our world. He says that creation is is in bondage and that it's subject to decay in verse 21. He even goes on and he says that, that creation groans and we groan inwardly. We're waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. In other words, even we as part of the created order, we, we're, we experience these potholes very, uh, in a very real way in our lives. Um, you know, this morning we prayed for people. People who are dealing with various kinds of illnesses and maladies were surrounded by covid Gloria and I have had our share of potholes along the way. Uh, It's not something that we talk about very often, but uh, uh, in 2018, when you're expecting, you know, this is my last year of ministry and this is going to be great and wonderful, we were on a nine-month journey of cancer treatments for Gloria. And so we can relate to it when we hear that there are people even in the congregation here who are, are dealing with, with the big C and are confronting uh, not only the, the ailment itself, but the, uh, the treatments sometimes feel worse than the disease itself. And so life is filled with potholes. This road to glory has these setbacks and these frustrations and these disappointments, and we expect it to be easy street, as it were, and everything is going to be wonderful, and it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, paved with gold, but we forget this side of glory is not paved with gold, it's the other side that is. And, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, maybe another way to put it is uh, even, even the yellow brick road had its wicked witch of the west along the way. It was not an easy road to follow. And so we carry even in our own bodies as part of this creation, the potholes. The potholes on the road to Glory. Jesus did not come to make life easy, but to make people strong. And whether we like it or not, we find that it's the testing of our faith muscles that actually makes them stronger. And if life were easy, there would be nothing to trust for. It's one of my philosophies of life that God created this world in such a way that we would always have to trust him. And so Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter four, seven to nine, he says, "We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that, in all, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed." The potholes are not going to destroy us. They will change us. Potholes in Sudbury challenge me to be a better driver, to be awake at every turn and corner. It ultimately makes us better. We read that as we go along, that God uses all things for our good, doesn't he? But he says along the way we realize that we are jars of clay. We are weak. We are fragile. It forces us to depend on him because the road to glory is filled with potholes. But the road to glory is also filled with prayers. There's a lot about praying in this particular passage. Paul says here in verses 22 and 23, he says that, that, that we groan and eagerly wait for, the, for our adoption and for the redemption that awaits us. And then he goes on and he says, We don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. And three times in this passage, Paul uses the word groanings. Uh, we could almost put it, we could almost express it this way there's a whole lot of groaning going on here. And he, he says, first of all, that creation is groaning. Creation is groaning for the time when it will be restored and we will enter into the full new creation. He also says that we groan. We groan inwardly. We groan in our bodies. Uh, Our bodies are frail, and, and we experience all these frustrations along with nature, and we are eagerly waiting, and our groanings express that eager waiting. And then lo and behold, he says, the Holy Spirit is groaning. He says that the Holy Spirit prays for us with groans that cannot be uttered or expressed. Uh, we groan a lot. These groans are sort of like the lament that Pastor Brian spoke of a number of weeks ago now. But it's lament mixed with longing is what's really expressed in this groaning. And I think this groaning reminds me of, uh, of, of another aspect uh, I've got a, a map of southern Ontario coming on the screen, and uh, it outlines the route from Manitoulin Island across the Sudbury and down the Highway 69 corridor to the 400 and the 401. And and if my my much of my family lives in either the Kitchener or the London area, and uh, I still remember the our early years up north uh, when Highway 69 was only a well, it was a two-lane two road with paved shoulders. And the rule in those days was that uh, if you were driving too slow, you were to pull over on the shoulder and let the people behind you pass. Well, one time we were traveling down, and the guy in front of me was very, very, very slow. And I'm stuck behind him, and everything was double-lined and traffic coming the other way, and there was no way to pass finally my opening came, he actually went to the shoulder, finally, after many miles. And I went to pass him, and lo and behold, the guy around me went on the opposite lane, and there were three of us side by side going down 69. (laughs) Well, those days, because Highway 69 was two-lane, and much of it's now four-lane, it was slow going, especially in cottage season on a Sunday evening. And behind me with our three kids in the back seat, we would always get this chorus, Are we there yet? Our groans, when we express our groans, our prayers on the road to glory, much of it really sounds like, Are we there yet? Uh, You know, you folks at home, uh, you know, we really got to get into the spirit with me. So, so let's, let, let's, let's do this. How about we all take a moment and let's all groan together. Oh. oh, you know, life has its potholes. And are we there yet? Let's all say it together. Let's be like cranky little kids in the back seat. You know, are we there yet? So often, when we express our complaints at how life throws a curveball at us and we complain to God about it in our prayers, basically we're saying, Are we there yet? You know, can't we get there any sooner? I guess it's a pretty familiar refrain from God's people because even in the book of Revelation, in chapter six, the fifth seal is broken. And John says that underneath the altar, he, see, he says that he sees all, all those who had been martyred. And what's their prayer from under the altar? How long, O oh Lord, until basically we get justice and you make things right? Paul says in this passage that even though we groan and we pray and we're longing, he also says that we wait for it patiently. We live in a world today that is just filled with rampant impatience. We hear all sorts of cries for justice. I don't deny the need for justice, but the means that are being used express tremendous impatience and taking things into our own hands. And I'm personally convinced that the more we take justice into our own hands, the greater likelihood we're going to continue injustice. And So Paul says that we wait patiently. We pray. We trust that Jesus, our leader, the pioneer of our faith, who leads us down the road, that we're in good hands and that he knows what he's doing. And so Paul says in Galatians 4, verses 6 and 7, Because you are his sons, God sent sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You see, ultimately, when we're crying out, Are we there yet? How long, O Lord? We who are now children are longing for the day when our inheritance will be complete. And that completion will come when Jesus returns. But we're impatient. It's sort of like the old furniture commercial that I recall from many, many years ago. There was a furniture chain called Yollies that was in Sudbury and Espinola. Uh, They got bought out eventually, but uh, their radio commercials had this very whiny voice. And their slogan was, I want it cheaper, and I want it now. Isn't that how we often express ourselves to God? The road to glory is filled with potholes. It's filled with prayers because we have this deep longing in ourselves. But the road to glory is also filled with promise. Romans 8.28 has a great promise. For we know that in all things God works. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We may not see it, but God is at work. The piece of lumber, when the carpenter takes the saw to it, may feel that the carpenter is being very rude and cruel and unjust, And yet, for that piece of wood to become anything of consequence, the carpenter must do his work. The clay may not like the pressure that's being put on it, but if it's going to be a vessel for glory, it has to submit itself to the pressure of the potter's hand. God is at work in our lives. God is at work in our world, even in ways that we cannot imagine. One of the things that really catches my attention is that we look at the Middle East and the unrest and the turmoil and the political posturing and all the things that are going on there, and we go, what, what can God be doing there? And yet I, I find news reports that are just absolutely outstanding of the number of Muslim people who are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And it boggles my mind that they consider that the fastest-growing church in the world right now is in Iran, of all places. We see the political strife. We see the agony in this world. And yet, underneath it, God is at work. And Jesus is at work, claiming the nations for himself and fulfilling his plan and his purpose. When I was 15, on the day I was baptized, my pastor gave me a life verse that has stuck with me all the time. And it's from Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is at work in your life. What God began, he will finish. Oh, it won't be what you think it's going to look like, but it'll be better than you will have ever dreamt. And so that's why we can cooperate with God. That's why we can latch hold onto this promise that God's at work and God will complete it, and it is for good. And so, as he says in Philippians 2 verses 12 and 13, we continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And then finally, the road to glory is filled with prospect. This is what we're looking forward to. He uses words here like predestined. In other words, that means there's a destination in mind, a destiny. He uses words like inheritance and adoption. And even though we we read in Scripture that we have already been adopted because we've received the Holy Spirit, there's a certain sense in which our adoption is not yet completed. You see, the Roman concept of adoption is quite different than ours. And Paul has that ancient idea in mind, because in Roman adoption it wasn't just merely that someone took you into their family and, and made you their legal son or daughter it also carried with it the whole concept of an inheritance being attached to that adoption and so the the inher- the adoption was not considered completed until the child reached the age of maturity and received the inheritance And I think that's what Paul has in mind here in Romans 8 when he talks about that that we have an adoption as children, that we're waiting for it. How can I be waiting for what I thought I already had? Well, there's another phase to it, a completion to it, and that's when we receive our inheritance in Jesus Christ. So he says we're predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. We will ultimately be like Jesus. We will be glorified. In fact, we will share in his glory. And that glory, creation is waiting for that glory because until we are glorified, creation can't share in that glory. And so it says that in verse 18, that the suffering, in other words, the potholes, are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. But we're told what that glory is going to be. See, further on, in verse 21, if we compare it, he says, creation will share in the glory of the children of God. In other words, what we see as the new heaven and the new earth, the the final creation, it will be filled with the glory of God, but not until we are finally glorified, because it's our glory that creation will share, just as the glory we share is the glory of Jesus. And then in verse 23, he connects this glory with the redemption of, of our bodies. That's the resurrection. This glory will be ours and this new creation will be realized at the time when our salvation is completed and our bodies, as it were, catch up with our spirits and we too are raised from the dead. The redemption of our bodies. It's interesting how elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 15 43, where Paul talks extensively about the resurrection, he says that our bodies are sown in dishonor but raised in glory. As we anticipate that great prospect, it's that resurrection prospect that keeps us going. It is what assures us that what looks like defeat in this world never is defeat because there's glory that awaits us. There's a resurrection that awaits us. There's nothing in this world that can destroy us to the point where there's no hope and no redemption or no future any longer because the hope and the redemption and the future are guaranteed because Christ rose from the dead. And that's why Paul can say in 2 Corinthians 4.17, our light and momentary troubles are potholes. Can you imagine this about the potholes in your life? They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. See, we tend to look on what's immediately in front of us. And what's immediately in front of us, whether it's COVID or the starting of a new school year with all the upheaval and uncertainty that comes with it, Or the medical challenges, or the challenges of aging, or whatever else we may have to face. Those things that are immediately in front of us, they look so big. And what is far in the distance can look so small, when what's in the distance is actually so much bigger. Looking at our troubles is sort of like looking at the moon. The moon looks pretty big. Now, what is it? Two and a... You know, 225,000 miles, something in that neighborhood, or 250,000 miles from Earth. And then we look at the sun. And the sun and the moon look like they're about the same size from our perspective, don't they? But the sun is 93 million miles away. If the sun were as close as the Earth, just by size, never mind frying temperature, you know, It would occupy everything in our field of vision. It would swallow everything up. The moon is like our troubles. It's like our potholes. It's like what Paul calls here our momentary troubles. The sun is like the glory that awaits us. From a distance, it doesn't look any bigger. But in reality, it is so immense There is no comparison. We're on a road. It's the road to glory. Yep, there's potholes along the way. And because there's potholes, the road is filled with prayers. We are praying all the time. We're praying, Lord, fix this pothole. Heal that one. Uh, Raise that one up. Make that one smoother and easier for me, please. But we still have potholes. And the potholes make us pray. They make us groan. We long to be there now, and we cry out, are we there yet? But he's taking us down the road. And so he assures us that this road has a great purpose, and there's a plan. And because of that, there's a promise. We'll get there soon. Just trust me. I will get you there. And it's great prospect. When we get there? Now that we live in southern Ontario, we get to see our grandchildren an awful lot more, which is absolutely wonderful, although at our age it's also exhausting sometimes. And uh, in August, we actually had eight visits from our grandchildren, and for us that is an absolute record because we only usually get to see our grandchildren two or three times in a whole year. Well, one of our grandchildren, when he got the message that he was gonna to come to grandma and grandpa's house, and in our family it's Paca and Beppa. And he basically says, Well, you know, when 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 I go to Beppa's house, will she have a snack for me? Or do I have to bring my own? Very much part of the family, always thinking about his stomach first. But he was wondering what he could anticipate. He was wondering what the prospects were. What can I look forward to when I get to Grandma's house, when I get to Beppa's house? Isn't that what we're looking for with our good, good father about whom we sang earlier this morning? You know, I have a good, good father. Isn't there another song that says, you know, I have a good, good father and I have a big, big house? You know, what do I have to look forward to when I get to Father's house? What a great. Prospect is ours and it's beyond what we could have ever imagined. Because the road's filled with potholes and prayers, because it's filled with promises in this wonderful prospect, never stop trusting in God's good purpose. He has a plan, He will complete it, it will be done, and the road to glory will, re- will arrive exactly. Where your Heavenly Father wants it to be, at the home of our Heavenly Father and all that He has in store for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness, your love, all that is ours in Jesus Christ. We thank you that even though things might seem very difficult for us right now, and times very confusing, there are days we don't know who to believe or who to trust anymore. But, Father, we can trust you. Your promises are good because you gave your son Jesus. And how much more will our heavenly Father give us good things if he did not withhold his son? And so, Father, we express once again our trust in you. We trust you for today. We trust you for tomorrow. We trust you with our ultimate destiny. And we look forward to the day when we will arrive and share in the glory of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Thanks for listening. We invite you to follow Jesus with us and join us on Mission With Him. We'd love for you to connect with us through our website, worshipataemc.com or on Facebook, Just search for Aylmer EMC.